Welcome to Severance Radio, a Nevada Reads on-air book club. I'm Heidi Kaiser. Over the course of 13 episodes, Severance Radio will dissect a single book, Severance, the satirical dystopian novel by Ling Ma. This book is a mixture of immigrant family story, corporate satire, and global health crisis. It's also the story of Candace Chen. Candace is a millennial first-generation American office drone who meanders her way into adulthood and ends up finding a world devoid of choice and feeling. During our live weekly radio broadcast, listeners heard an excerpt from the audiobook followed by discussions featuring literary luminaries, educators, and subject matter experts. For our podcast listeners, we leave out the book and cut straight to the conversation. Think of this as your own personal book club in podcast form. If you haven't read Severance yet, that's okay. These conversations are meant to serve as an accompaniment to the novel. Though, full disclosure, some of our guests, in addition to making insightful points, do indeed hint at plot spoilers. So read the book. Okay, got your book? Great. Let's get started. As Severance readers know, in extended flashbacks, Candace occasionally thinks of her family and roots. In our very real pandemic, race has played an interesting and, at times, disheartening role. Joining us to talk about the rhetorics of race in circumstances of contagion are Dana Lee and V. Key now. Hear them discuss the dynamics of racism during a global health pandemic. How has the pandemic been for you? You know, it, I think for everyone, it's, it's um, we've all had these waves now that we're, what, four months into it. You know, it, it's, it's been very reflective. I, I call it the great reset. And my previous life of being busy and dashing here and there for all these different appointments or meetings or even exercise classes, let's just say, I don't miss any of that. I like this new life where I feel I am choosing what I want to do. It's so much more relaxed. It's so much more um, just special. I, and I think I, I can't remember the last time I've spent so much time at home. I travel a lot, but being home obviously has caused me to appreciate so many things. I feel very fortunate. I live kind of at the edge of the desert and I have seen so many different animals. You know, we've seen an owl for the first time in been able to observe them. And we see coyotes. I saw a desert fox. I've been watching this quail family, you know, from the time of the hatchlings to now that the birds are almost full adult size. It's it's just been a marvel, you know, watching things and appreciating what we have right here in our own backyard. What about for you? Uh, my life has been incredibly fluttery. Um, I moved so much um, for the past five or six years when I was touring my book ever since my a lot of my books came out in the world. I had to do so many book tours and it was incredibly exhausting to have one place in which I don't travel anywhere for months. When everything got canceled, I was so happy. I was like, oh, I wouldn't have to go to the East Coast, you know, like travel through all these airports and transportations and and listen to uh, white men just talk nonstop um, about their work and then come back home again. Um, I just feel like 
um, with Zoom, then you can just zoom out. <laughs> you can like if you, if you go to a reading and if the men talk for like an hour, you can actually technically drop out of that conversation. And I feel like it has more mobility for me as an artist and as a, someone who who promote their work. I'm like all this cancel cultural. It's such a blessing. It's like we've always been like I've always felt like as an Asian woman. Always like advocating, like you know, like we don't cancel thing. We we follow through with what we say, and I feel like the pandemic gave me permission to like say no to things that were incredibly harmful for me. Race is very much on our mind right now as as Asians, and you know, during pandemic, uh, the whole issue we we every day in in the in the news there's always like another notice of just the most hateful um rhetoric that's been directed against people for being asian and and tying them and accusing us of of all kinds of things obviously for bringing the pandemic for carrying the pandemic for whatever we've become like a vessel for people's frustrations and fears and paranoia or just downright hate. And it's incredible. And it, this is probably not necessarily related, but you were talking about, you know, how, how debilitating it was to travel, to do these readings. And then these men would kind of take up all the time and the space, which is very presumptuous. And I wonder if they would have done that to a white woman or if they think, you know, well, it, it's a, it's an Asian writer. So not really cognizant or respectful of your time or what you had to say or share. It comes from a, a privileged place. I think they just, I, I don't think there's consideration of, I see it like a pie, you know, like I think they just, they just eat the whole pie and, and then whatever left then crumbs, then other people can have. And it, I just happen to be an Asian woman that is willing to, in the past, just to eat crumbs. And I think the pandemic just made me realize that I don't need to, you know, like I can say, I can say no to a lot of things and it, and it will be okay. I, I've never had that level of validity before. Have you faced anything during pandemic that um, has been personally um, racist to you? The moment that Trump became president, um, the first man that interacted with me was so incredibly cruel. Um, he just wouldn't let me use the bathroom to a rest restroom because the thing with um, Trump being elected, it gives people so much permission to be misogynist, to be racist, to be cruel, to be unapologetic about how they behave in the world. And it translated across four years until now, you know, like now. Which has gotten even worse. And, and now yeah, this is his um, connection to people that he feels um, will be voting for him. And it is to create divisions. And I think that's that's incredibly sad to create divisions of otherness. And if you're considered other, then you're not American. And, and I think that's just so offensive to, to feel, see that certain people feel that they only have the right or, or the claim to um, patriotism and being American and um, being allowed to, you know, wave the flag proudly. And, and sadly, it's, it seems like it's been co-opted by kind of the most um, dark forces of, of hate and in racial division. And it's interesting because in the book, 
you know, in, in, in the beginning, Lingma, when, when everyone's all together and Candace joins the group and they're on their way to the facility, I was struck by a passage um, where Bob is describing uh, the movie, The Torn Curtain. And he's talking about the scene where there's a death in real time. And he talks about how uh, death is about alternating method of deprivation and attack, a winning combination of pressures, pressures and releases, levers and pulleys. Killing is more an accumulative effect rather than result of one definitive action. Um, the human body accumulates stresses. And when I read that, it immediately it made me think about George Floyd. And even though one could say that his death um, tragically was one of one action, however, it was, you know, because of the time in which that policeman kneeled on his neck, it was an accumulation. We know that there were different things that were happening in his body that led to his death. And then also another present passage um, later on in that chapter, she talks about their pandemic in the book. And um, they say the sheer density of information and misinformation at the end encapsulated in news articles and message board theories, clickbait traps, propagated hysterical, et cetera, shares ignorant, made us more helpless, more innocent in our stupidity. Did you experience it personally as well? Um, oh, yeah. Here at the start of pandemic, this is even before we had all the closures, I was shopping at Trader Joe's in Summerlin. And I had come from a board meeting, so I was very well dressed, very professionally dressed, and, you know, clearly didn't look, didn't look sick. I was a picture of health. And I went there to buy flowers. I go there every week to buy flowers, or I did. And the checkout person took one look at me and turned his head to the side dramatically. And I counted. It was probably like five seconds, which is a long time. Held his breath, looked at me, and then reached his arm out to grab my goods. And I said, if you don't use two hands, my flowers are going to drop. And, you know, and on and on. So every step of my checkout experience with, with him, he made it very clear that he didn't want to be near me. He didn't want to interact with me and everything because he saw me as the coronavirus. And I was so offended. And, you know, it, it ends with him bagging my stuff, handing me my bag and just doing it from such a distance that the bag dropped. If I were to see this checkout guy, Jeff, again, I don't know how I react. I should react, you know, in a bold fashion and, you know, maybe even confront him and ask him why he did that if he remembers it. But, um, and after that, it, you know, it took me a while. I almost had like this fear or this paranoia that when taking walks around my neighborhood, that neighbors would, you know, leap out of the sidewalk and walk in the street because they thought I was coronavirus, that I was a walking embodiment of this, of this terrible virus from China. And, you know, it, it crushed me. What would it take for you to come back to that Jada Joe? I'm not sure. And I, I'm not one to hold grudges, and I, I don't think one should hold grudges nor succumb to that fear or succumb to that transmission of, of what I feel is mistaken um, belief. So I should counter that. So, you know, maybe, maybe in, in time when I feel it's time to start getting flowers again. <laughs> <laughs> we always need flowers. Thanks so much to Dana Lee and V. Key now for taking us through their personal experiences amid the pandemic. 
Severance is a 2020 Nevada Reads book selection. Nevada Reads is a statewide book club that invites readers from across the Silver State to come together and share in the love of reading. Severance Radio, a Nevada Reads book club, is produced by the Beverly Rogers, Carol C. Harder Black Mountain Institute, and Nevada Humanities. Support from the Nevada Center for the Book, the Institute of Museum and Library Services, the Nevada State Library, and the National Endowment for the Humanities. Our engineer is Phil Corbett. Our writer is Sara Ortiz. Production by Lily Allen, Mira Arif, Stephanie Gibson, Kathleen Kuo, and Layla Muhammad. And I'm your host, Heidi Kaiser. Thanks for listening. Thank you.